Good evening and welcome to the Cabinet of Fever Dreams. Tonight, the fourth story in a collection of long-legged tales. I Stole a Sheep from the Baba Yaga was originally released on the 19th of January 2021 and is read to you tonight by Sam Barlian, with additional voices provided by Mike Jesus Langer and musical backing by Peter Gabor. This is the fourth story in a collection of tales about the long-legged beast. If you want to hear more about the strange creature, make sure to tune in for the next chapter of the Cabinet of Fever Dreams. New episodes come out every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday on your podcasting platform of choice. With all that said, get comfortable and prepare to be transported into the mysterious Magura Valley. For years, my soul has been heavy with guilt and fear. For countless nights, I've stayed dreamless, questioning whether my transgression could ever be forgiven. I've spoken to the village priest. I've kneeled down in the confessional, yet whenever the time for me to ask forgiveness from God comes, I cannot speak. I cannot verbalize the nature of my sin. So instead, I come here to this corner of the world made from wire and screens and perhaps sharing my story with the faceless choir of the internet I'll be able to find some amount of respite. I sincerely hope that by confessing to the masses I'll be able to rid myself of some of the guilt. But I know that even if I could forgive myself for what I've done, the fear of what I've brought into the world will never leave me. I have stolen a sheep from Baba Yaga and I've been punished accordingly. For most of my adult life, I was employed as a construction worker in Austria. The pay was better than anything I could get back home in the village. Work came in manageable bursts, and during the winters I could rest back in eastern Slovakia with my wife. We were trying for a child, we were hopeful for the future, and... One misplaced steel beam skewered all of that. After the surgeries, and after the recuperation, I could walk. No construction would hire a cripple. There were odd jobs around the village, and my wife had taken to selling woolen hats on the internet, but most folk in rural Slovakia are handy with a hammer, and one cannot feed a family with hats. Our savings got us through the first winter, and the charity of our neighbors made sure we never went hungry, but time was running out. A second winter approached, and our neighbor's grace wasn't infinite. Every moment of my life, an alarm clock counted down above my head, steadily leaking dread. It is with that invisible clock, just a couple ticks away from my family going hungry, that I met the sheep. I was hobbling in the forest when I found it. Perhaps I was there to clear my mind, or maybe I was convinced that with enough walking I could cure myself. But regardless of what thoughts were drifting through my mind, as soon as I saw the sheep, my attention was singular. The animal stood opposite me on the dirt path, and chewed off rope dangled off its neck, and its eyes were as dumb as those of any barnyard animal, but there was something about the sheep's wool that made the rest of the forest disappear. Without a second thought, I made my way up to the creature and stroked its fur. Like a soft summer wind, the wool caressed my palm. Somewhere in the cozy embrace of the comfort, a thought started to manifest. My wife could do wonders with this wool. Bah! The sheep said, 
as if agreeing with me. I looked around. We were alone in the forest. There were no witnesses. Yet before my mind stumbled down that dark path, my eyes drifted towards the rope around the sheep's neck. Someone had the sheep tied up. Someone owned the sheep. And the animal had simply run away. I bit down on my morals, grabbed one end of the rope and led the sheep down the path to where it came from. I convinced myself that its owners would be happy that I brought the animal back and might even provide a reward. I convinced myself that I was doing the right thing. As we walked, however, I couldn't help but look at the sheep's ears. Neither of them was marked. The sheep did not have an owner. Not legally, at least. Bah! The sheep said, as if agreeing with me. The way from which the sheep came was not an easy one to walk. The path jagged and steep, and for a moment I feared that my leg couldn't handle it, but I pushed on regardless. A voice deep in my mind demanded I do the right thing. After a painful climb, I reached a clearing on top of the hill. Before the sheep and me stood the queerest cottage I had ever seen. It was built of tiles and logs, just like any other home one could see in the village, but the cottage had no front door. The cottage had no front door, and stood a couple meters off the ground on top of what looked like a giant chicken leg. In lieu of an entrance, there was a ladder that led up to the base of the home. A rope, chewed down to the stub, hung from one of the steps. My healthy leg went numb thinking of how painful the journey up the ladder would be. Is anyone home? I yelled at the cottage in the sky. I, I found your sheep! I waited and waited, but there was no response. The rope was beyond repair, and wolves were known to stalk the woods. I figured that the sheep would be safer with me. I convinced myself that taking the sheep back home was the right thing to do. Bah, the sheep said, as if agreeing with me. When I walked inside our cottage, I took the sheep with me. We had no barn to house the animal in, and I feared that if someone saw the sheep tied up in front of the cottage, they might take us for thieves. Hiding the animal in the hallway, I went to prepare my wife for our new house guest. When I entered, she was ecstatic. While I was hobbling out in the woods, my wife found an antique set of porcelain while cleaning out the attic. After a cursory glance online, she tracked down a collector that was willing to part with a hefty sum for the cups. I was excited about her money-making opportunity, but she was not excited about mine. When I opened the door to reveal the animal in the hallway, my wife was furious. She told me I should have left the sheep where it belonged, that I should have stayed away from the strange cottage, that I should have kept to my own business. Yet, when I convinced her to touch the sheep, when she truly understood the softness of its wool, my wife relented. From those clouds of white, she could make hats fit for a lord. Combined with the porcelain money, we could comfortably scrape by through the coming winter. Bah! The sheep said, as if celebrating with us. For a while, we simply ran our hands through the sheep's wool, bathing in our good fortune. But soon enough, a question slithered into the room. I don't know if it was I or her that verbalized the sentiment, but it was in the air long before it was said. How much can you sell a sheep for? Bah! The sheep said, as if it too found the question interesting. At first, my wife and I simply guessed. We fantasized about what we could do with a sudden influx of money. Soon enough, however, the yearning for the potential money galvanized into a concrete need. With the hat and the porcelain profits, we could scrape by. But if we sold the sheep, we could prosper. That evening, I left my wife alone with our soft house guest and made my way to the pub. 
Halchin, the portly general store owner, was quick with a price estimate, but he was even quicker to ask about the sheep. At first I avoided the topic and told him I was merely curious about the economics of animal husbandry. But with a couple of palenka shots he loosened my tongue. Ah, Ferko, you scoundrel. Halchin laughed as I finished whispering my tale. And, uh, you say the sheep isn't marked? I nodded. Well, then aren't you lucky I have a cousin with a stamping machine? Would be more than happy to help the sheep find a home if a small finder's fee would be involved, that is. How much? I asked. Five euros, he said. Nothing steep. It has been a hard year. All I am looking for is a symbolic price. We'll even help you find a buyer. With a handshake, it was settled. With a handshake, I had crossed the line from a reluctant good Samaritan to a thief. After a couple shots of Palenka, we sat down with the woodsman. His wife had started raising sheep just a couple months prior, and after a couple more shots, we had a buyer. The barkeep kept the Palenka shots coming, and the closing time of the pub dragged long into the night. By the time we were finally asked to leave, all the road lights had been extinguished. With borrowed flashlights, our ethanol-scented crowd started to stagger its way home. Even in its drunkenness, the group moved far too fast for my hobbled walk. Soon enough, the other beams of light disappeared. Soon enough, it was just me. The village road and the dark forest beyond. After months of worry, I'd finally found a moment of respite. And the euphoria of alcohol and sudden financial gain. I found myself happy. Peasant, have you by any chance seen a sheep come through here? The voice of an old woman creaked out of the darkness. The damn animal chewed through a rope that held it. I sensed that it might have come through here. There was a gentleness in her tone. As if she wasn't calling me peasant as an insult, but rather as a means of stating a fact. I spun my flashlight searching for the stranger, but found only more darkness. Are you deaf? Or are you dumb, peasant? The voice asked, its kindness crackling. Have you seen a sheep come through here? I wanted to say the truth. I wanted to do the right thing and return the stolen, but the alcohol on my breath had a different plan. No, I said. I haven't seen any sheep, you must be mistaken. A pinch. Out of nowhere, I found my arm clasped between two rough fingers. She hissed as she squeezed my skin. When the flashlight caught her, I saw her face so grotesque it gave me a fright. Her face was old. Desperately old. Her skin sagged like that of a melted sculpture, and the thin wisps of white on her scalp seemed like nothing but memory of hair, but it was her eyebrows that truly terrified me. On the wrinkled pale face they stood sharp and red and defiant. I know you stole my sheep, peasant, the hag said, smiling with the few teeth she had left. There is no need to lie to me. I know all. And I forgive all. For a price? The hag cackled. 
each rasping breath of air shaken her stout body. Even though the flashlight was bright when I left the pub, it started to flicker. It was as if it refused to be a part of the bargain, as if the business of the sheep was purely concerning me and the darkness beyond. What is the price? I asked cautiously. Oh, peasant. The price is a single kiss. I am but an old woman who misses the affections of handsome men. I will happily trade the animal for a memory of the past. I took a step back. My leg groaned the same way it did before a thunderstorm. No, I said. I have not seen the sheep, and I will not kiss you. I wish you good night, auntie. I moved from the mad hag as fast as I could, but her voice continued to creak through the darkness. Silly peasant, she said, her voice turning cold. A lie has short legs, but the punishment for one does not. May you never forget your transgression. May you never forget that you are a liar and a thief. May you never forgive yourself for rejecting my advances. I curse you, peasant. I curse you and everyone that you care for. May the whole village suffer for your misdeeds. The hag's voice echoed through my head all the way to the front door. Yet when I came home, I did not tell my wife. The hag's disfigured face, the strange eyebrows, her cruel words, it was all still settling in my mind and I, I could not bring myself to verbalize my worries. I also didn't want to worry her. The potential of the antique porcelain and the wool and the money from the sheep, it all made her so happy, so hopeful. I didn't want to take that hope away. She tried to lure me into the bedroom with soft whispers, but my mind was far too scattered for romance and my body in no shape for love. Instead of joining my wife in bed, I stayed in the living room with our woolen house guest and the antique porcelain. It had been a long day, and there was plenty to consider. Yet as I sat there with nothing but the crackling of the fireplace to keep me company, I started to relax. I had woken up that morning as a man who feared the inevitable hunger that comes with poverty, but through a cascade of circumstances, I knew that the ticking clock above my head had been pushed back. With the antique porcelain, we would be able to put food on the table, and if I never told anyone about the hag, that the sheep could still be sold to the woodsman. My life had taken an absurd turn, but sitting there in the dim light of my cottage, I knew things would get better. <laughs> said the sheep, as if it disagreed with me. The creature was staring straight at me, but the barnyard dumbness in its eyes had drifted off and given way for a wholly different look. It was only through the flickers of the fireplace that I could see the sheep. The emotion in its eyes was unmistakable. Behind the animal's slitted eyes, there was a raging, never-ending source of hatred. Bah! The sheep screamed as it started to lumber towards me. The animal no longer trotted like it did on the forest path. Its legs moved clumsily on the wooden floor, as if it were foreign to the animal. With a gust of light from the fireplace, I realized they were. The sheep was no longer standing on its old sheep legs, and instead, the animal's woolen body was balancing on a steadily growing set of fleshy stilts. 
Bah! The sheep screamed, revealing a set of dull teeth and a dark rolling tongue. Bah! With ice in my veins, I limped off the couch and moved towards the back door. What I was looking at was no longer a sheep, and what was looking back at me meant me harm. Yet somewhere in my terrified mind, I hoped that if I opened the door, if I allowed the creature to escape, that I would be left unharmed. The outside world breezed in through the open door, and the stumbling beast stopped and regarded the forest beyond its cottage. Its legs continued to grow, but the animal didn't take another step. It screamed, and then it craned its neck towards the open door. For a moment, the animal simply shook, its woolen body heaving with effort, but as the beast continued to strain its neck, its body once again started to change. At first, the grove came in small, staggered bursts, as if the sheep's neck was a tangled rope being pulled out of a well, but soon enough, the stretching of the neck became constant. The beast's malformed body was starting to press up against the ceiling of the cottage, yet its horrible maw was hanging out of the back door. The creature screamed out into the dark forest. I backed up against the hallway door, eager to make my escape. Yet as soon as I touched the door, the creature before me buckled. For a split second, I registered the sound of broken porcelain, but the tragedy became quickly irrelevant. The tall-legged beast stood directly in front of me, its horrible jowls descending towards me. The look in the animal's eye was unmistakable. It wanted me dead. <laughs> The creature roared, sending out a torrent of spit that smelled of infection. The beast's entire body shivered with murderous anticipation. The fluffy woolen coat that had once brought me such comfort had transformed into clumps of mucus-covered hair. The creature dipped onto the wooden floor as it lumbered towards me. I knew I couldn't run. I knew that my crippled leg wouldn't carry me if I were to attempt to escape from the long-legged beast. So instead, I chose to hide. Like a terrified child, I ducked beneath the table, and like a naive infant, I desperately hoped that the beast would simply leave. For a moment, among the broken porcelain and ill-smelling detritus, I almost believed I would be safe. But I wasn't. The long-necked beast swooped its head below the table, and with one swift motion overturned the piece of furniture. I was lying on the floor in front of a beast that looked like it belonged in hell itself. The skeletal limbs of the creature braced for attack. Its pale grey skin shed the rest of its old woolen coat. I was about to be killed by a nightmare made of flesh. The creature roared, readying its jaws for murder. The universe nearly came to a halt. Before me I could see the spite-filled eyes of the beast. I could see the wet teeth that were about to tear into my skin, but I could also see something else. The bristles of a broom. I watched as the rough strands of the tool scratched against the beast's wet, cruel eyes. The beast yelped as it retracted its head. My wife hit it with the broom again. She swung away at it, screaming, demanding that the monstrosity leave our home. In a state of pure shock and blindness, the animal stumbled towards the door, smashed into the wall, and then ran out into the wilderness. For a moment, all we could do was stare out into the forest beyond. Then my wife closed the door. I once promised sources of wealth lay on the floor, broken and sticky. For a while, we mourned the loss of our newfound wealth. For a while, we tried to make sense of the madness. But eventually, we stopped talking. There was nothing left to be said.
I had brought sin into our home and we had been punished. My wife grabbed her broom. I grabbed a rag and we cleaned our floor of any trace of the stolen animal or antique porcelain. Neither of us slept that night. Sleep in general has not been the same since that night. It's been two years since I stole a sheep from that chicken-legged cottage in the woods, and yet I still cannot bring myself to talk about it. I want to let go of the guilt. I want to carry on, but my, but my transgression was not as simple as theft. If I'd simply stolen something, I, I would seek atonement with a priest. Yet the nature of my sin does not only lie in breaking one of the commandments. The raving horror, that monstrosity which ruined my health, it is a being of pure evil. It is a being of pure evil and... And I'm responsible for bringing it into existence. For years my soul's been heavy with guilt and fear. For years I've searched for forgiveness. And I know I'll never, I'll never truly find it. My theft might have been forgotten. The long-legged creature may have driven away from the village, but I know that somewhere, out in the Magara forest, the long-legged beast still walks. Until it's dead. And until I can be sure that it can no longer bring anyone harm. I'll never sleep easy. The Cabinet of Fever Dreams is written and produced by Mike Jesus Langer and is brought to you by patrons such as Moo, Serafina L, Lucky J. Horton, Alan Rawl, Kuss, Bob Kondrick, Chicken Mixer, and Daniel Wengel. If you'd like to join these fine people, supporting the show and get early access to episodes along with a bunch of bonus content, drop by patreon.com slash Langer. And so concludes this episode of The Cabinet of Fever Dreams. Make sure to drop by next episode for another tale of the Long Leg Beast series.